This is the 7-Figure Agency Podcast. Discover the strategies and techniques to grow a highly successful and profitable digital marketing agency with your host, Josh Nelson. What is up? Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I am, I am like really excited about what we're about to do. Um, today, we're joined by JC Height from Height Digital um, JC literally runs one of the fastest growing agencies, one of the largest agencies in the, in the country. Um, you know, from what I understand over the last four years has grown to eight figures. Um, prior to that, built an eight figure agency and exited from it. So if you guys are ready for some really high level insights on how to build and scale a truly successful digital marketing agency, give me a yes, give me a like, give me a comment, type JC in all caps here in the comments. Uh, JC, man, thanks so much for being here. Gosh, brother, it's a pleasure. I'm super excited, dude. I'm, dude, the respect for you and what you've done and your audience. And dude, it's I, I, I'm a big fan. So, so humbled that, uh, that you invited me on here. Well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. So I guess before we start, just talk us a little bit about your agency as it sits today, right? You know, who you serve, you know, about how much revenue, just a quick high level lay of the land. So Height right now has really evolved. So we started off as a white label company and uh, I will talk about my agency before here in a bit, but uh, jumped into the white label space. I'm a product guy. Like I know PPC, I know SEO. I'm not a sales guy. So white label, I've just, it was about leverage, right? Like, let me do product and let me just find other people to sell for me. Right. Very simple. Right. And just in the last, so last December, not this last one, the, the December before that a year ago, I had a, a mentor talk to me about franchising, about licensing, and and essentially we've jumped full circle from white label into franchising. And a lot of people are like, what does that even mean? How does that look? Here it is. It's very simple. Franchising is all about us coming together under one brand, utilizing centralizing systems, centralizing products, centralizing everything, but yet still having independent agencies throughout throughout the world. And I often give the example of like Remax, right? Like, or, 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 or uh, real estate agents in general, right? 35 years ago, every realtor in the country was independent. They all did their own thing. Then a company actually by the name of Century 21 came along and they were like, wow, you spent thousands on website. You spent thousands on website. You're spending on product. You're spending on everyone. Like we're spending billions of dollars on, let's just build one website and make it the best freaking website in the world and do it way cheaper, right? And so how do we consolidate to save money, but increase quality, serve our clients better, retain more, and, and grow faster. And not only grow faster, but more stable is what I really like to talk about. I love it. So it sounds like, talk to us about like how many, how many clients, how much revenue now at, at high digital, like where you sit today. So we're, gonna, we're, we're at eight figures um, this year. I'm, 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 I would love to get to a thousand clients in total. I don't know if we're going to quite get there. Maybe we'll probably finish around like 850 to 800, but give or take. Um, and that's just our revenue. That's not our franchise's revenue, right? So if you add them up, then we're, uh, we're multiple eight figures at this point. So it, that's about our size in terms of people. We got about 175 team members at height. Last year, we grew a little over a hundred team members in total, which was freaking nuts. And these aren't virtual assistants. They're not like VA. These are full-time hundred percent in-house. Like we got an office right here. All of them work from our office, um, team members. Right. And so, they're on benefits and we pay for all of their kids to go to school and like, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. It's dude, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So multiple eight figure agency um, guys, you're going to get lots of insights here. If you're excited, give me a yes. Um, and then post your comments. You know, we're going to be watching this in the Facebook group. So if you've got questions, we'll try We'll try and answer them as we go. So um, talk to me about the, the kind of the rationale briefly on, on going franchise versus trying to just keep it as your own digital marketing you know, model. You know, the benefit of white label is that it allows you, again, like for us, it allows us to focus on product, operation, systems, versus sales, right? And allows us then, you know, in a white label format, you've got all these sales guys all around the world. And in most agencies that are probably listening, you're on the flip side, right? You want to be the sales, the big money, the da-da-da. You want to use a white label because you don't want to do that crap. I'm the same way, but the opposite. I don't want to do the freaking sales. The problem with white label well, the problem with any organization, right? So I, I come from corporate. We had a, you know, our last agency, we had 350 people. 90% of our organizations, your sales and your product are always kind of at battle. Sales is always like product, you suck. Why are clients leaving us? And products like sales, you suck, set better expectations. And this is a constant battle. That is 
dramatically compounded in a white label format, right? Because you know what? I don't have to listen to this guy. What, what JC, what do you know? Uh, you know, like I've had one SEO client in the past. I don't have to listen to you. I know what I'm talking about. I'm firing you and they move on, right? And with any relationship in the world that you want to grow in a business is a relationship, right? Whether you're talking about your clients or your partners or whatever, if your in instinct is, oh, it doesn't work. Let me just switch. Oh, I don't like you. Let me just switch. Ah, oh, you messed up. Let me just switch. Like you're never going to grow. And the white label just opened that up way too much. We had partners that stuck with us forever and we effed things up. We screwed up, but we overcame it. We learned, we grew, we da-da-da. In the franchise model, we, we have to get over it. It's a five-year contract. Like we're getting in bed together. In fact, it's easier probably, and this is terrible, but it's probably easier for you to get a divorce than to break up what's in a franchise. So that does several things. Number one, number one, it makes us really think about that relationship more. Are we really the right fit? right? And from our end, we want to make sure because there's a lot of things that hit us if you're not the right fit, probably even more so than the, the franchisee. And then on top of that, it forces us to work through things. So when there is issues, dude, we got to solve this. And that makes us both better, both stronger, right? And so there's been so many things that the franchise model, I think, has really uh, helped. But that's kind of like some of the foundational stuff. In the beginning, we're like, we got to jump down this path. And it's, to give you an idea, we had 110 white label partners, in December of 2020, right? No, 20, yeah, 2020, we had 110 white label partners. In 2020, the year, so in December, in the year of 2020, we went from 110 white label partners to three left, three of our favorites, and we added just 19 franchises. So that's 110 partners to 23 partners. During that time, we doubled our revenue. Wow. Right? So, so, if you think about the ARPA there or the average revenue per partner was like quadrupled, right? So um, it's working so far anyways. Sounds like it. Sounds, sounds pretty epic. Can you, can you just talk a little bit about the services you provide at Hype? And then we talk about digital marketing. There's such a spectrum. Can you talk about the things that you deliver on behalf of clients? So we started off uh, on the digital side, PBC, SEO, and Facebook ads. Um, we felt that we got really good at that. We had QA. I mean, we are, again, we're product, I'm a, we're product people at heart, right? And so QA, training, development, I mean, everything around those three. We then added the CRM, that'll go high level CRM. And we're still playing with that. I'm not super, super excited. Well, we'll come back to that. I love GHL, Sean's a good friend, but we're growing that department. And then now in just in the last seven months, we added Hike Creative. And our, our, our goal with Hike Creative, which does brand books, it does, um, there's brand books, websites, logos, things like that. It looks like Height is actually going to become the largest story brand certified agency in the world here in a few months, Lord willing. And so, but we're big into the brand. The goal of the creative actually, yes, it's to make money, but it's actually to work with big brands, right? So like Texas A&M is one of our latest clients, right? And so you use that to leverage the ongoing recurring services, which really matter, the SEO, the PPC, the Facebook ads, things like that. So those are our, those are, and then we're adding in, um, we're about to acquire a company that does uh, uh, swag, right? Very simple stuff, but the margins, Josh. The shirts, the, margins, the hats, the mugs. Shirts, the hats, the mugs. The margins are like 50% and the operations is so low key. So it's very like uh, when you need it, it's super like profitable. It's not recurring revenue, which kind of sucks, but it's a great like side product. Uh, and then we're also right now trying to acquire a, uh, a more traditional agency that does radio, TV, and billboards, right? So we're really excited about that. Again, when you have the franchise model, we're just adding on product wings for our franchises to be able to sell, right? Got it. So it sounds like you're looking to go full marketing agency where you're going to touch digital, you're going to touch traditional, you're going to touch print um, and kind of everything in between on behalf of the clients that you serve. That's right. And then that allows then our franchisees, everyone is unique. Some of them only sell SEO. Some of them sell everything. Some of them go more consulting route and like they just really focus on consulting. Some of them work with small businesses. Some of them work with, dude, you got to be at 50K minimum budget to work with me. Right. And so, which actually makes us, uh, I believe, stronger because we have all of these different, you know, elements to it. Yeah. So I guess the one question, and then we'll, we'll get to like the, the journey story, but one question you have to ask is, you know, to, to serve that number of clients and to have that level of team, like, how do you, how do you find the talent? How do you train the talent? Like, where does the talent sit? Or, you know, you said they work at an office, just kind of walk me through that part of the equation a little bit. Okay. So this is talent and hiring and culture is one of my favorite things to talk about. And if we talk about scalability for me, like the one key thing is your ability to recruit 
and keep and keep talent, right? Like that's everything. And so one of the things we did from the beginning of height is that we went out and we tried to hire the best freaking people we could. And not only the best people, but the most influential people who had the most friends, who was the nice guy who like when they wrote something on Facebook had like tons of people commenting, right? Because birds of a feather flock together, right? And so we knew that if this guy came in with experience, but man, he came from that agency and there's a hundred more people there, like that's who we wanted. In fact, uh, in the beginning, like I was making like a thousand dollars a month take home because we were living in Nicaragua. I had people making more than that working for my agency. In fact, today at height, I think we have three employees that make more, literally take home more money on an annual basis than I do. And, and that's always been a very big thing to us is the biggest, the biggest thing is going to hold us back is the ability to hire people. Right. And Mm -hmm. so now we're getting to a point where, dude, I mean, we built a really good hold in the country of Nicaragua. We dumped so much into benefits. So for example, every single child at height is on full scholarship, right? And so when I look at it, it's like, what are the type of personas that we want? Normally in marketing companies, you want young people, right? Or at least that's what we end up hiring, 22, 20. What I find is, man, I really like those 28, 29, 30-year-olds. But a more mature more mature. They know what they've got. They're not like green grass is always green on the other side. And then how do we play benefits into those people? Right. So like at height, every single child is on full scholarship. So in Nicaragua, where the average uh, education is the fourth grade, all of our kids to go to either the American school, the French school, the German school, they all speak hundred percent English. And so how do we play into that? Dude, we just, oh, bro, we're big into, even though I'm actually not that big into education, I had like a 2.0. I couldn't care less if you have a degree or not, but like it's big to our people, right? And so we have to invest that. We actually just can't, got a deal with a big university in Arkansas, a Christian university, where every single child at Hyde, as long as you work for Hyde for five years, we will actually give you a full scholarship to go to the US to get your bachelor's degree. They're kids, wow. right? And so dude, you start creating junk like that, nobody leaves you. And, and a lot of times we think about the expense of that well, instead of thinking about the opportunity cost, right? So one great account manager is managing $60,000 in revenue. Like it's, it's, screw the thousand dollars you're going to pay him, right? And so it, it's, it's much more about the lost revenue, right? So hiring the best people you could. We bring them in, we have an office, um, we're very much about the office culture. We've got a bicycle. We've got hammock. We got an entire floor here. Yeah, Mike was just asking, is that a hammock? Do I see a hammock behind you? You know, uh, who sent this to me? It was a lucid chart. Sent me a hammock. So I was like, where the crap am I going to put this? So I threw it up on my desk. Google sent us a bicycle. And yeah, it's fun. We got a cafe right here. I've got a, we got a daycare for the kids. Um, and so how do you create a culture where people, and they want to stay, right? And um and I think even in doing that, it's, it's not about what people want. It's about what people like really care about and adds value to their life. Right. So, um, yeah, anyways, it's exciting. Love it. So, so you mentioned Nicaragua a couple of times. It, what's the breakdown of like us based versus, you know, international. I'm just curious. Cause I, I love the, the way that you've structured this model. So of our fulfillment sites, we really essentially have two different companies, right? We have the fulfillment and then we have the franchise company. The fulfillment company, 99% of our staff is right here in Nicaragua from like leadership down, right? Amazing. And and we're very much on promoting people. We don't bring people typically from the States. Um, There's a couple of positions where it's like, man, I just, I don't even know how to do that job. We got to find someone with experience, but rarely do we do that. Uh, In the franchise model, all of our franchises are, are U.S., owners, US-based, and normally they're mergers, right? Like normally they're, they already have an agency doing 10 to 50,000 a month and they're merging into us to save costs, to be able to scale to whatever they, whatever they want to do, right? Love it. So, so it sounds like the, the um, sales business development side of the equation is, is US-based franchisees. And then the operations delivery, also account management and like managing the client communication, is that so all friend- managed internationally? Yeah, no. So our franchises, they're responsible for two things. That's sales and service or, or okay. account management, depending on what you're, what you define it as. Uh, half of our account, man, half of our franchises choose to hire an account manager here in our office here in Nicaragua. And that's a possibility. So about half of them and then half of them will hire in the States, depending on what they want to do, right? Half of them have offices and they want to go to it and have a little staff there and half of them don't care. Right. So it's, it's easy for us. We don't, we're, we're easy going. Yeah. So, okay. And that's usually the way I would see like sales 
and account management, talking to the clients, managing the relationships, US-based team, and then fulfillment could be anywhere. Um, as long as you can provide world-class results, which obviously you are. Um, I love the fact, you know, it sounds like you get like a really massive operation and you're like one of the top businesses probably in that Nicaragua area, you know, and you're, and you're bringing up your own talent, training them up. Uh, and they, these guys are doing websites, SEO content, strategy, the, the whole nine yards. Yeah, we're, we're the, we are the fastest growing, we were the fastest growing company in 2021, 2021, whatever year we just got out. It looks like we're going to be the fastest growing company in the country. Um, and, but I think it's a, you know, it's the, it's so difficult, right? Like I'm here in Nicaragua, right? Like I'm building the team, I'm managing the team, I feel it, right? I've helped with creating the QA process, you know, like I'm on, you know, like now I'm not on top of them anymore. We have a VP and all this stuff and like, da, da, da. but like, it's so different than, oh, let me go, you know, put a little post in a group. And the first person that comments that says they're the best at PPC, let me hire them. And now all of a sudden I'm building a team. There's a huge difference in that, right? We choose Nicaragua because I, uh, you know, and to back up a little bit, like I'm so passionate about this country. Um, without going into too many details, Nicaragua has an average education of about the fourth grade. We have a dictator in power. It is a very complex, dangerous country to be in right now. And for us, we believe that we have the opportunity to bring stability to that country. So like I hire here because I love like the country and da da da. I think they're the best, I, but I think anyone in the world can be the best, you know, like it, it's, it's irrelevant kind of where they're, where they're at. Got it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love I love the idea. Not not hiring a bunch of random VAs, but like creating your own operation facility, real management there in the country, um, and and amazing amazing work. Let, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about that first that first agency that you built to multiple seven figures, maybe even eight figures. It sounds like um, and exited from what like. What were some of the lessons learned in that process? And you guys had a massive ascent in that business as well. So we, I actually came onto that organization in year four, left in year eight, I think, give or take. Um, we were one of the fastest growing PPC companies in the U.S., premier partner of Google. Dude, we had, we had 350 employees. So we're about double what height is. So we were multiple eight figures. We, um, it, dude, it was crazy, man. We were making so much money. It was incredible. Um, we had a sales team of about 80, I think it was like 85. I think I said to you before, it was about half, but I think it was about 85, 85. sales guys cranking and gals cranking on the phones. We, we had 1500 clients. So, you know, you lose 10% of your clients every month. Normally in an agency, we had to sell 150 clients just to break even. Right. And so we had a huge sales team. We were buying leads. We we're managing money. Uh, you know, at that level, you know, it's so hard to compete with these big agencies. Cause like Google gives you money, right? I'm my non my uh, non disclosure is is over now, so I can straight up say like, dude, they would give us fifty thousand dollars a month in free ad spend to just market ourselves, right? And then they gave us about a million dollars, maybe a little more, in kickbacks every quarter to like do business, you know, like to just grow and like serve their clients, right? And so so we were, it was nuts, it was crazy. That's hidden information. Most people don't realize that Google does that when you're a large agency. So just give me a yes if that if that's an interesting insight to know that the the big boys you know, are incentivized financially by Google to, to, to like manage this stuff. Go on to reach locals website or any of those big ones. And you'll notice they're charging like $500 for Facebook ads and PBC, not 1500. Like a lot of uh, the more boutiques are the way they're doing that is because they're getting help. Microsoft is actually the best. Like they give more money than anyone. If you're not using Microsoft, you should definitely use it if you know how, but like there's, there's a huge opportunity there, but Google, now they've recently revamped their premier program. It's a way different. It's not near as exciting and sexy, but there's still opportunities. There's still, there's still crazy amount of opportunity. So we, you know, we were growing, we were scaling. Um, there's a lot of things that I learned there, you know, number one, all of our ownership. And I was, I was one of the minor owners there. Like, dude, we were young. We didn't know what the crap we were doing. We were all in our twenties. Um, uh, and it was, out of the five of us, three of us were from Denmark, not religious at all. Uh, we're talking like, dude, I remember one time um, Google walked in and we had to erase the board because the top sales guy that month got like four strippers. Like, like they were going to get like, like, that was their, like the prize for, excuse me, that week, right? Or that day or whatever. And they had to release it off the board because Google was coming in. And even though they knew about it, they couldn't like know about it, you know, type of thing, right? Like it was Wolf of Wall Street had nothing it was crazy. And wow. about three months before um, they had, we had switched CEOs. One of the owners took over the CEO position to be frank. 
he was a he was a punk like he didn't care about anyone money was it if you made him money you could stay if you didn't get out like it was just a complete different environment and that combined with the craziness my wife and i actually we were pregnant seven months due we came in and we were like we got to get out like we're we can't like it just it won't work with us and we took the exit at that moment we had a choice like do we do we want to start like a boutique agency 20 30 clients make you know twenty thousand a month live on the beach like 20 clients is nothing to us. We just got to left 1500. I could probably call just my contacts to get that. Or do we want to build something? Like, do we want to build something cool? Great. You know, that serves the world. And, and we chose this and it's, it's amazing. I wouldn't change it for anything. I think building a company is a lot like children and people don't realize that. Like, I love my kids. I would never want to exchange them, but they're a lot of work and they're a pain in the butt sometimes. And you got to deal with their emotions and their craziness and their frustrations and them being pissed off at you sometimes like now multiply that by a hundred you know because there's a lot of children here right and so uh building a big company is not for everyone that's for sure yeah man it sounds like you made you made a great choice in making that transition um so it was a white it was a a pay-per-click specific service right like this this other agency was just selling pay-per-click all we did was google pay-per-click and microsoft pay-per-click yes Got it. And working with anybody in any vertical, what were you guys charging basically on a monthly basis? Was it um, like retainer plus spend? Was it just all of it into one container payment? I'm just all, curious. All of it. Yeah. All of it was, um, um, uh, you know, pockets, right? So, you know, up to this much spend, we charge this much up to this much spend, we charge this month, so on and so forth. Um, you know, we were doing, I think a little over maybe a million a month in revenue, but like our bigger revenue source was from Google, not from our clients, right? So, because they did give us a kickback on that spend, right? So, um, and and it was always, you know, it almost drove us in the wrong direction, right? Like my goal was to spend your money, you know, straight up because the more I spent, the better growth I had in Google. The more money you got on the the back end. Exactly, right? And so um, with height, we do the same thing. Um, I like the buckets, I, I, you know, one of the things that I love about, you know, I had the direct agency, then I had white label. Now I have franchise. It's like, I know how agencies grow and scale, like getting from zero to 10, zero to 20. I've seen it failed a billion like you, right. I've seen it fail a hundred times and I've seen it success a hundred times. We know kind of like what's really like, we, we know this stuff, you know, and you start to see those trends in a lot of different ways of like, what, what, what divides those that are struggling and those that are not. Um, but yes, we've always done the buckets keep it simple, straight up. And we very much heavily um, focused on what we call programmed revenue or recurring revenue. So yeah. we have the setup fee. I don't even care if I lower the recurring price, but I want to have the recurring, dependable, ongoing revenue. 100%. So I, so curious, like you guys, you guys were pay-per-click only serving anybody. Sounds like you grew with a, a sales force, an army of salespeople. Were they, were they reach local style salespeople and that they were in local markets, knocking on doors, going into networking, or were they more Yodel style sales reps where they were, you know, in an office cranking away on the phones or maybe a mix? So we had about 50 ish, you know, like it would go up and down, right? Like we would bring in 55 or 20 and then bring in another 40 and then hire, you know, like it was, it was, it was nuts. And I mean, like, dude, these were all nobody wants to do that job. No, no one wants to do that job. It sucks. It's, it's in every way. So I'd say 90% of them were like deportees, you know, out of, you know, Miami. Right. And you know, the, the guys that, you know, they had a, they had a rough life. They, they were do or die people. They didn't care. You know, you could say F you da, 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 da. And they were just going to keep hammering. Right. And I love those guys. Dude. Those guys were, were heavy hitters, but it was just definitely a different, you know, environment. And uh, so we had about 50 give or take, telemarketers and then of course managers over them uh we then had operations and then we had about eight closers and uh, and then we had a marketing team so we'd spend anywhere from probably a hundred thousand dollars a month on google ads to get clients and then we had the telemarketing guys right and then obviously we had referrals and you know every other source you can possibly think of at height we actually like so our our a normal month back there for us we would sell 80 or $90,000 a month with that entire sales team at height to give you an idea with 19 franchises and half the staff last month, like we, we sell more than that. So like last month we sold a little over a hundred thousand, no, excuse me, 109, almost over $200,000 in new revenue to height, right. In total $200,000 last month in new revenue, not 
from Amazing. the regret, right? And so, so what we're doing now, bro, we're going heavy into the branding. Like everything we do is about branding and positioning. So uh, how do we write the books? How do we get on stage? How do we speak in events? Are we posting every single freaking day on social media? Are we adding friends on social media? How are we adding friends on social media? What are we doing like to get, you know, our people to help with the comments so that it boosts up so other people see it and other people interact and comment? Like everything is about that organic strategy, right? Like how do we position ourselves um, as much as as much as possible? And then we're we're very big on referrals, man. Like we are heavy into how do we convince our clients to refer their friends to us? Awesome. Awesome. So, okay. So just moving away from the, the other agency, you know, you had sales guys cranking on the phones, teeing up for setters, setters would close the deals and then you guys would run the campaigns. Um, moved away from that. Now we've, we've got height digital, which is, is do you guys have direct It sounds like there's like a direct house accounts strategy as well as franchisee strategy. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, our franchisees serve those clients directly. So the, okay. and those are, that's it, right? And then the fulfillment is all centralized at, at corporate, right? So, so um, you know, think of insurance company. Like when you go into that insurance office and you're dealing with your insurance guy and you're buying home insurance, like he's not putting together that policy. It's, it's corporate that is building that policy that sets the standards, that builds the calculators, that does all the work, that files, you know, like your local Bob, farmer's insurance guy doesn't do that right it's the same exact model right and so you've got the sales guy who like understands the pitch understands the model that's certified to sell all this product that da, 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 that has the brand that has the backing but then you have the fulfillment done here at corporates right so all of our clients are direct but they're direct to our franchisees our partners our agency got it amazing so i'm just curious at this point like who's the right fit we got a lot of agencies that are going to watch this listen to it who's the right fit like maybe that agency that's thinking I'm white labeled now, or I don't really like doing the fulfillment. I'd love to partner up with the, like a yeah. world-class organization where I can draft on their brand. I can draft on their case studies. Uh, I can have the fulfillment done and I can just focus on selling clients and, and building my retention strategy and managing those relationships. Yeah. Talk to me about who that ideal person is and, and how they could learn more. So I think there's uh, you know, there's two like foundational aspects you have to be at least cool with to be a part of us. And then there's two different types of personas that are joining. So number one, we're big on faith. We're big on family. Like I kind of think of like the Chick-fil-A of the restaurant, like of love, the love it market. so much. So, so if you're not down with that, cool with that, like it, it would be, you get frustrated because we, we give a lot of our profits away. We, we very heavily invested in education. Like we just don't, um, if you're big into like dude, maximizing profits, I want to make as much money. You just, the culture will be difficult, you know, for you, right? We still want to make money. Don't get me wrong, but it's just, you know, setting the stage there. It's a Christ-centered, God-first approach and rather than in just, you know, just profit for the sake of profit. I very, like, my relationships that I have are way more important than, you know, like, than the dollar bills at the end of the day. I'm, I'm wearing, like, my grandmother, I think, bought me this a couple of years ago, and I'm wearing, like, we're too chill. We're relaxed. Anyways, uh, then there's two models. So number one is agencies between probably 10 to 100, like 10,000 or below. We're like, dude, go make sure you can sell before you come, because if you can't get to 10, you, you know, go, go learn to sell. So normally our, our smallest agencies coming on are already doing around 10,000, uh, up to 100,000 in revenue monthly. All right. Uh, and normally those guys coming on, it's like, dude, I'm trying to scale faster. I'm struggling building the team. I'm not, I don't want to be a part of the operations. I don't want to be a part of the systems. I'm, I can't hire, like it's, it's the fulfillment side is their struggle. Dude, that's, that's where we, we shine, right? Like we're yin and yang, you know, so to speak. Right. So that's one. The second thing is for those people that want to have an exit, like I'm building something to sell. Right. So let me give an example. What would be easier to sell? A McDonald's or Josh's Burger Shack? McDonald's all day, right? Probably a McDonald's. In fact, what would have a higher multiple would, right, of, of EBITDA? It would be much easier to sell. Why? Because an investor coming in wants something like, dude, this is a machine. And the franchise model, that's exactly what you're trying, trying to buy, right? A machine where you focus on just very small pillars that has a, has a gigantic effect. So if you're wanting to sell, exit, do things like that, that's huge. Um, or if you're just having trouble in the back end, right? We are not for like, dude, and I'm, dude, my hat, my name's on the deal, right? So like, I, like, I get it. If you're love your brand, like crazy, like, dude, mine is Goldfish Capital and I'm so in love with my name and my brand and I can never like, 
cool. We're, we're probably not the right fit. Right. Um, and so that's probably the biggest thing that people struggle with. It's just like, Oh man, now I'm going to become a part of height. Um, on the flip side, you get every leverage, bro. Like by using the same name, Josh, dude, like even if you're only doing 10 K, the moment you sign up, you're like, dude, we're partners. Now you're an eight figure agency. Right. And you can draft on all that authority and all the case studies yeah. and all the social proof. That's right. Cause every case study is with height. Every, every like partnership, like Dave Ramsey endorses us. That's he endorses height. Uh, we have clients like Texas A&M and all these big clients. You can like, those are your clients. So you would meet like, here's my LinkedIn. You can see we have a hundred and da 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 employees. Right. And so everything starts to compound. And if you're a good salesperson, it becomes a lot easier. Right. Excellent. So, so those are the kind of the personas for this. How would someone reach out and learn more if they're, if they're thinking, hey, you know what, maybe I do want to be a you know, franchise of this model. And I believe that that's the future. Yeah. Franchise.hydigital.com would be the best place or reach out to me. I'm super easy to get a hold of. Shoot me a message. Hit me up on Instagram is probably the best to Facebook or Instagram uh, or franchise.hydigital.com. So um, yeah, dude, I appreciate it. That'd be amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah, so check check that out. That's kind of you, and you're thinking, you know, this might be this might be an awesome way to, to shortcut the process. Um, I want to I want to shift gears now. I want to talk about how you're landing clients because you get thousands of clients now, and like specifically like sales process and kind of who you're targeting and how that's working. I want to talk a little bit about scale because I obviously you're you've, you've become world class at figuring out how to scale operations and and provide great results. So before we shift to that, guys, if you're watching live and you have questions, you've got an eight-figure agency owner on here ready to answer your questions. So this is a unique opportunity. Type your questions in the comments. Um, so let's start with, let's start with the, like, where you're getting these clients from and what's working best for your franchisees to get in the door and get deals. So I, I think, um, you know, I mentioned it before about branding and part of branding, some people think it's included. Some people see it as separate. There's a thing going on right now, and we, I don't think I ever knew the name of it. Power Partners, I think is what people call it, right? Mm -hmm. And we're big ventures, power partners. Oh my gosh. Right. And so like Dave Ramsey is one of us. If you go onto Dave's website and you find marketing company, we're the only one he talks about. If you go to his entree leadership podcast, we're the only one he talks about. Right. And those are huge. Right. And it's, and it's, and it's double-sided. Number one, we get direct leads from that. But number two, it's more than, it's more than the podcast. It's, it's all the other leads I get to be like, Oh dude, Dave Ramsey endorses us. Like what? Dave endorses you. Oh, well, this guy must be, you know, must good. be good. Right. And so, uh, power partners are big for us. Uh, like there's, I don't know how many, I don't know how many, um, uh, what's it called? The local chambers we're a part of, uh, like, um, what is it called? The lawyer and I probably in all the local B and I's. Okay. We are in a lot of those, Vistage. but the lawyers, they have them. Crap. What's the name of them? Um, Bar associations, bar associations, like all the associations are, oh my goodness. And, yeah. and you yeah. got to call a lot now because there's companies like high letter bars and in, but you have furniture, every single industry has associations. And depending on the size of the industry, they'll have local, you know, associations, man, a lot of those you can get in and for very, very few dollar bills, you can go in and sponsor a live event or go in and help or like, but you got to offer value. Right. And so yeah. those things for us, is huge. The other thing that we do is it's so simple, but like people need to utilize Facebook. I think a lot of us sales is sales is sales and building a business, building it the right way, I believe is can be uh, monotonous, right? Like it can be very boring sometimes, right? Like you, you got to do the same things over and over again, the consistency to really build the brand. And a lot of people, they, they do it for a week, they do it for two weeks and it just fails. Dude, I have, I have like, in terms of sales, our new franchises, if they're like, I'm starting from scratch, which we've had a couple in the past. It's like zero, brand new for whatever reason. Maybe they left a big, big agency or whatever. Dude, my favorite thing to do, that's just like, if you do it, I promise you that if you did this for a month, you will have three clients at the end of the month, or you just need to find another career. And it's so simple. We call it the Lowe's strategy. And if you go to Lowe's or Home Depot every day at 7 a.m. when they open, and you sit down in the parking truck, all of these trucks come in, they're all your local roofers, plumbers, everyone. And all of them is Bob's roofing, Dave's plumbing, blah, blah, blah's handyman, da, 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 da. Like they're all your local people. Call us. So you sit down for an hour, write them all down, call them up and say, bro, I saw you at Lowe's. I'm an entrepreneur here as well. I'm trying to get into the roofing space. Can I buy you lunch? And by the way, I'm just getting started. Be honest. I'm just getting started. So can we go to McDonald's? Cause I don't have any money. Right. 
dude, you, you will get people that'll do it. If you're not comfortable going to eat, like just pitch them. But like, that's your local audience. If you can't sell to the guys that go to church with you, bro, like you gotta, you gotta back up. And so, and if you do that every day for 30 days and you just get 10 people a day, that's 300 people. And if you just build a relationship with those 300 people, like don't try to sell them. Just, I want to learn from you. I want to sit down and learn from you. They will want to learn from you as well. And you will be able to sell two or three people. So there's a ton of things that we do, but most of it is around branding, getting into the community, getting around, getting out there, getting loud. The people that grow the slowest for us, and that's okay, is the people that don't feel comfortable doing those things, right? Mm. I love that, guys. So just type in low strategy if you kind of heard that and that landed for you. Struggling to land a couple of clients, this, this could apply, right? Go out to the local lows, write down the names of those guys, reach out to them. Very low key introduction, whether it's the pool builder, the roofer, you know, the AC contractor, they're actively doing business and you can start those conversations. Um, I like calling kind of like the, the immediate opportunities. And then on the higher end, looking for joint ventures, right? Looking for people that are already selling to your existing client base that already have the authority, um, positioning yourself with them and Either I know that you can structure these joint ventures in a lot of different ways. It could be rev share. It could be just because they like you and they like the results that you've given. Figure out how to add value to them um, and start to plug in to their existing base of clients can be extremely powerful, a great, great accelerator. Um, and then you just mentioned associations, which is one of the key strategies I recommend, right? Join the association, local and national, and be at those events, right? Figure out ways to put on content for them. Um, and you can really, really start to accelerate your positioning and your revenue growth. So really cool strategies and insights there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all about building relations. I, I, when we first started, I think there's two things that hinder people. Number one is they just don't do the work. Like it sucks in the beginning. You don't, you don't have studies. You don't have a reputation. None of the stuff that people want, you don't have. So instead of trying to make it up and ask your white label provider to like fake a case study for you, that's not really yours, like just put in the work and it sucks, but it's just part of it. We've all had to put in the work, right? And number two is for, for and this was just me and I'm not a sales guy. I'm a, I, I, don't, I don't know sales strategy at all. I'll leave that to, to the experts. But for me, my goal was to have five quality conversations per day when we first started. So this is back when it was like, I left the other agency. It's like, okay, I need to feed my, I'm gonna have a child in two months. I have no health insurance. Like, like having a baby is expensive. My goal was not to sell. I had no sales goal. My goal was to talk to five business owners, have a quality conversation with five business owners a day. So that relieved me. I knew that if five a day, that's, that's, uh, that's 25 a week, that's 100 a month. If I had quality conversations with 100 business owners and they didn't end up asking me what I do, if they didn't end up intrigued with my service, like there was other problems, right? And so, and that took the pressure off me and it also allowed me to like, I would talk to him for an hour and I'm like, dude, Josh, dude, this is amazing. I like, I'm really interested in the roofing space and you're obviously a roofer. You've been successful, bro. Would you dude? if I called you back in like two or three weeks, like if with some more, would you be down for it? If I've pitched him, he's going to be like hesitant. But if I haven't pitched him, he's gonna be like, dude, yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to help because they're entrepreneurs as well. They've struggled as well. Right. Powerful. Right. These five who four conversations. And then the, the approach, right. Isn't let me get this guy so I can pitch him hard. It's, hey, I'd want to pick your brain. And very transparently saying, I'm just starting to break into this niche, right? I'm just trying to break into this niche. I see that you're in it. I'd love to buy you lunch or buy you coffee, pick your brain. And you know this, this works, guys, because you start to understand the industry. And if you do it right, you're not trying to sell the person. He may wind up being very interested in hiring you, but he comes beside you or she comes beside you and she wants to help you, right? They want to tell you where, where the group gatherings are. They want to tell you about the, the continuing education. They want to introduce you to a couple of buddies of theirs that may need your services. So um, I, lo I love this approach. And uh, thanks for unpacking it for us. It, it also takes pressure off of me as the sales guy, because a lot of us don't feel comfortable doing it in the beginning. And so if, my, if I go in, like, I got to sell, crap, this is a big client. I'm uh, you know, like, it takes a little bit of pressure off, right? No different give than me, Give me a warning comments if you can use this. Regardless if you're at startup phase or you're already pretty established in your agency, you could, you could do this and develop some local relationships and some great connections. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we talked about, we talked about sales. We talked about business development. You know, you don't consider yourself a sales guy, but you've built, you know, an eight figure agency in less than four years, you've got thousands of clients. So obviously your business development strategies are working. Um, 
Let's talk a little bit about fulfillment because I think this is your, your passion play. This is what you like best is like delivering world-class results at scale. Um, talk to us a little bit of how you structure the operation side of the business. Yeah. So in fulfillment, we've got, you know, several different apartments. So we've got uh, the dude, like the, the engineers is what we call them. So we have Facebook engineers, PPC engineers, and we've got SEO engineers, right? And these guys are are doing the work there. They know SEO. And just so you know, to like, when you get hired as an SEO specialist, we have four weeks training. You have, you're literally in a classroom for four weeks being trained on how to do this before you ever touch an account. And then when you touch accounts, you're, you're still being audited and things like this. So like, uh, so in our structure, we have our engineers, uh, and then we have account managers. So account managers talk to clients, talk to engineers, they get the reporting from the engineers. They send it to the clients, but they, these are the communicators. These are the relationship guys. And, and we can talk about that a few in like the service side here in a few minutes. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, so how you guys are managing the, the retention side. Then on the product side, dude, oh man, we built this incredible engine. So I've got a, 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 an amazing QA team that we've developed out and everything's built in Salesforce for us. We're very data centric and Salesforce seems to have the best data abilities. And so we've built in is basically a, a, I think on, on SEO, it's like 75 point PPC, maybe it's like 90 point checklist of like what the structure and strategy should look like for an account. And so our QA department, before it's even launched, it goes to QA. And then we have another QA that's done, I think in three weeks. And then you can also trigger, a manager can trigger a QA, right? Just like request one. Um, and then we also have a metric. So we're pulling in data from analytics uh, from Google and from Facebook. So if a performance has a certain amount of decrease, like three weeks, it goes down by 200% or whatever, it triggers a QA. QA then, the way we built it is that on the 75 point checklist, if anything is off, it automatically creates a task back to the engineer to fix it, okay? So what this ends up doing is now QA is doing this, it automatically creates a tax back. Well, our tasking system is built out so that if you, if you don't do the task, then the manager gets a notification of the day like, hey, this task wasn't done, right? So now the manager is responsible for making sure that's done. If it still doesn't get done, the next day, the director, the next day, the VP, and the next day, I actually get a notification that, hey, this task is seven days late, right? And so what this ends up doing is two things. Number one, and make sure that our accounts are always you know, perfecting. But number two, and more importantly, is that it, if, if I'm an engineer and I did this, I already built this account and now I get another task saying to re-freaking do the ad, you know, the ads for it, for example, or redo the freaking copy or redo the da-da-da. After a couple of those, you're just going to start doing it right the first time, right? And so, so we built out an amazing QA department, amazing train department. Now what we're working on, Josh, I'm super excited. We've put together an entire team. I think we have six people five people maybe on the team, we're building out an entire virtual online training academy for hype. And so it's literally our four week PPC course built into Salesforce where we can, you know, obviously create tasks and tracking and all the data and everything like this. But more importantly, if, if, a, if an engineer doesn't do something, we can try to figure it out like, okay, is this a, is this a training deal? Cool. We just assigned that lesson or maybe even that course, or maybe even that track, right? Uh, or we can go, man, that, that lesson wasn't clear enough. Let's go back and refilm and redo that lesson. We're trying to do that across all products, right? And so, right. and that helps with cross-training. The more our PPC engineers know about SEO and vice versa, the, the better. And so, and then we have, we have pods of seven. So one product manager with seven engineers, those engineers are, are some PPC, some at Facebook, some SEO. And then above that, we have a director level, a couple of directors, and then we have a VP of product above that. And then when our QA department is separate and our train department is separate. And we got about a hundred of our hundred and of our 150 ish people in Nicaragua, a hundred and probably 30 of them, 125 of that is literally in that area. The rest are hiring and recruiting or finance or systems or something like that. So a big, a big force of people that know what they're doing, that are doing the work, that are cranking away for the delivery side of the results for the clients. That's right. That's right. And, and we're even right now, we're trying to figure out how do we grow that faster, right? So like right now, our average last year, we brought on, we net grew a hundred people, right? And so we're bringing on to that department, you know, eight or nine people a month on average, right? So it's a lot. This year, we're trying to figure out how do we get to 20? That's a ton of training, right? And the problem is, is when you grow that fast, if you have an account manager move up, well, that's typically coming from an engineer. And if the engineer moves up, that's typically coming from a copywriter position, which is our baseline position. And so you got this constant training and movement. It's a, 
it's a beautiful chaos is what it is. You know? Sounds like it. I think, you know, a lot of us kind of, you know, in our agencies aren't at that level, but the, like the strategy behind, we want to get people, we want to have great training to onboard them. We want to make sure that they understand their responsibilities, their roles, their KPIs. But then we also have to make sure we have some level of QA or quality assurance or look back. You're not just letting these people run wild. Somebody's looking over it and saying, okay, good. Nope, missed. And something to catch when, when things start to tail off a little bit on behalf of the client. And I'll, I'll speak to new agency, newer agencies. Let's say you have one or two, whatever people, right? Because there's obviously a big difference there. Look, I, I believe someone has to be the expert in your company. Okay, so, so for example, if you don't know SEO, which is fine, you can't just go hire the first VA that applies for your company and tells you that they know SEO. Like you don't know if they do, you don't know if they're doing their job. You don't know if they're doing wrong or right, or if they suck or they're just doing incredible, but we're not giving them enough time. Or they like, you have no idea how to coach, train, mentor, do anything with those people. So you have to figure out how to bring on people that you know, they know what they're doing, right? With salespeople, it's easy. Those that are looking for a job probably are not the best. You want to go recruit. With product, I do the same thing. Dude, most of my product people, I'm recruiting from other agencies. They've already worked for, I know, like, you, you, it's too big of a risk, guys. Stop thinking about, oh, I'm, I, man, I got a $1,500 VA and you guys are spending $6,000 in the US. Like, the real difference between a $1,500 and a $6,000 salary is like three clients. It's three clients, it's nothing in your agency. But the flip side difference of you losing clients at a much higher rate, not understanding churn, it's so much more expensive to you in the long run. Uh, obviously, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. But hiring the best person you can and trying to figure out a way to make them prove to you. Like you, when I'm recruiting, I want, I'm trying to think of reasons not to hire them. Like I'm looking for it, right? And a lot of us, we're doing the opposite. A lot of us are like, we see the signs, we're like, ah, oh, they'll be okay. Ah, da, 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 da. I got like, I got this client. I got, I got to sell them. Let's hire, right? And so, um, you got to hire great, great people, and it'll change yeah. your life. Yeah, I would say like focus less on trying to find the cheapest talent, right? The cheapest version that's going to keep your margins healthy. Focus more on let's find the best person so that we can go out and, and deliver and retain clients. Yeah. I think is what I'm hearing from that. Hundred percent. And we Love actually it. found a. Um, which kind of brings you into service. So, so we're big into churn, like analyzing churn. Why is our churn happening? And I'm so excited. So in the white label world, our average churn in the direct 10% was about our monthly churn on average. In the white label, we had about 12% average churn, which is probably good, I would think. In the franchise, our average in 2021 was 6.5% turnover, right? Nice. 6.5. That's incredible. That was a great benchmark, benchmarks, guys. You know, looking at this 10% monthly, 6% monthly, you know, if you're above 5%, like less than a 5% monthly churn, you might be like beating yourself up. Like, oh, I suck. But the reality is you're doing really, really well. So I'm, I'm glad you shared those numbers. Well, there, and there's two other metrics of that that I'll share as well since you, since you, since you brought it up there. So there's also a churn by product. So I actually did a, a big study with a huge company in the US not too long ago and they got acquired. But for Facebook, we found that the average churn, if you're doing Facebook, like predominantly selling Facebook Just services, Facebook ads, you know, high your churn. churn is going to be like 20 to 25% is like the average. If you're doing pay-per-click only, like my first company, 10% is the average. If you're doing SEO only, 3%, right? So like you got to be aware of these things, right? Because- I'd be really interested to know the blending because I'm a big believer that if you come in and you've got a combination of SEO and paid search, you can deliver a more consistent result and your retention yeah. should be higher. hundred percent. Now, how you structure that is interesting. So what we found, Facebook being the highest churn, we never sell Facebook. We will give it for free if you sign up for an SEO package, which we charge a little more for, right? Like right. We money. But positioning that, we actually tell them, like, dude, Facebook is kind of an up in the air thing. Like, to be honest with you, 75% of people get success with it. 25% don't. It's all about your area, your territory, your targeting, your da-da-da, all this crap. So what we do is we don't charge you anything if you do other stuff. If it works for you, I win because you're going to be a long-term client. If it doesn't work, we turn it off. Nobody cares, right? Like that's our pitch, right? And so- that's really good. Powerful. Powerful insight, guys. I just want this to settle because I know a lot of agencies listening are really excited about Facebook ads as, a, as an agency just doing Facebook ads. And looking across the spectrum of agencies I've worked with, you can hype it, you can guarantee it, but your churn rate, you're losing clients in, in 90 to 120 days. And you, you know I've seen guys go to six figures a month and back down to like 10K in a matter of, of a year. And so, you know, yeah, 
blend your service offering and, and deliver a tangible result that you can actually deliver consistently. Um, amazing share there. If you, if you look at the top 100 largest agencies in the U.S., the latest data I saw, not one of them was a Facebook ads only agency, not one of them. So you can let that, you know, whatever. Um, so what we've, we actually started, so we start doing these like surveys. So every single client that leaves us at the end of the month, we do a survey. And this is an, actually a new thing at height where the account manager, whoever's talking to the client, they actually, we have five categories of churn. Did this happen because of communication? Did it happen because of the onboarding experience? Did it happen because of product? Did it happen because of expectation setting or did it happen just because their business, like maybe they went under or they got yeah, acquired or they went out, right? And what we do is that you have these five categories and you have five stones. And so an account manager, every single one of their clients that cancel, they put their five stones in whatever category. They can put it all in one category. They can split it up in two, two, and three, they get, you know, whatever. But they got five stones, five categories. Then what we do is we have the franchise owner do the same thing. And then we have our product guy do the same thing. So number one, are we aligned on why this client canceled? This is important mm. because a lot of times you'll find that like your sales guy will think this, your product guy will think this. And it's like, okay, we got to Sales says the operations dropped the ball. Operation says it was improper expectations. Account manager says the results weren't there. Um, and so I love that kind of blending and seeing what's, what's the actual truth in this, in this matter. So if they're kind of different, now our leadership has to dig in. We got to find the truth. And that's cool. It'll be different because every, everybody's perspective is different. But if it's aligned, now you skip the deep dive and you just feed it for what it is. What we have found at height is about 40% of our cancellations are due to business. So of the set six point whatever percent churn, about 40% is due to the business. About 19% is due to communication. Product is right at 18%. And then we have expectation setting is another 19%. So literally 25% of our churn, a little bit more is due to some type of communication, either the pre-sell or the ongoing, right? And this mm -hmm. is incredible for us because what we found was how we communicate with clients is so important. I'll give you an example. If like, if I was to go, Josh, man, I met your wife the other day and dude, she was a complete douchebag to me. She was mean. She was hateful. She was whatever. Your instinct is to go, really? Dude, that's not like her. Like, let me, let me go ask her because you, something must have had something more was to the story. So let me go check her. Let, let me go chat. And I, I want to get back to you on that. Cause that's, that's actually, that's, that's funny. That's weird. You're going to, your instinct is to protect her. Yeah. What we found a lot of times clients go, dude, I haven't gotten any leads. I haven't this, I haven't blah, blah, blah. And the account manager go, Oh man, dude, I am so sorry, dude. That that's, that's not good. That's I, 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 um, man, let, let me dig in. Let, let me dig into that. I'm just, I'm really sorry. Right. Like you're accepting it. Right. Instead of instinctively saying that doesn't sound right. What do you a, mean? A perfect, I know we're, we're sharp on time here, Josh, but like a perfect example, we had an SEO client. The, uh, the client was like, dude, my performance has been going down every month for five months in SEO. My traffic every month is going down. Like I've got to cancel. I can't freaking do this. And the account manager was like, yeah. Wow. I, I, I can see it too. It makes sense. Like it went down and then they canceled. We went in through our, through our, through our analysis of churn. We went in and we're like, bro, like every year in winter, it's a roofing. Like they, of course the search traffic goes down literally every year you see the same angle. But if you stack last year over this year, we had 20% increase year over year. A lot of times it's about perspective, right? That's why you have to yeah. back out. You have to get aligned, right? And how are we communicating things? So, so good. It's a, it's two two powerful insights here, guys. I want you to take away whether you're, whether you got 30 clients right now or you're, you've got thousands like, like JC, don't let the churn just happen in a vacuum, right? Spend a little bit of time analyzing, like, why did they leave? And, and really get down to it because the default response is, oh, they were a bad fit. Or the default response is, oh, we dropped the ball. We didn't get the results. There's usually more to it and if you can really drill down on those things, you can, you can get better results for your clients. You can have better retention. And that has huge ramifications for your profitability and, and long-term stability of your business. You should be keeping track. You'd have a, you should have a sheet, name of client, who the manager was, what products do they have, when did they come on and when did they leave? Because time has, most of our churn happens in the first 90 days. After that, churn goes down dramatically. After a year, it's like non-existent, right? So how do you get past that 90-day threshold is huge and 180-day. And so you want the time 
And then you want those like reasonings behind it, right? And you start building up that data, you're gonna start having some real good consistency of like, dude, I could probably knock out 10% of my churn if I do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and so, and then the kind of the step before that guys, oftentimes I ask, you know, how's business? Oh, it's going well. Oh, great. How's retention? And you're like, it's good. Well, what percentage? You know, how many, you know, what's your churn rate? You don't know, right? And you cannot improve something that you don't measure. So you should know month over month, how many did we lose? How many did we gain? What was the actual churn rate? And what's our average monthly retention so that you can mo monitor it and improve it, right? If you don't know, you're, 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 flying, you're flying completely blind. And you also hit these like uh, uh, hilltops, right? So for example, if your average churn is 20% and you're on average selling $5,000 a month in new recurring revenue, well, you sell five, you lose one, 4K growth. You're now, you're at, right. now you're at 10, all right? Now you're losing two, you're gaining five, still good. But once you hit 50,000 in revenue and you're losing 10, now you're at negative 5,000, right? And so you, you, your retention is... My friend, like I believe it's the key to really having dependable scalability for sure. 100%. Great stuff. I, I want to be respectful of your time. And I know we're kind of at that hour mark. Would love to get just a couple, like when it comes to the communication rhythm with your account managers to the clients, what's your philosophy there? Are they trying to check in once a month? Um, is it just sending videos? Like what's your account management philosophy? We've actually been testing this a lot lately because, um, you know, <sighs> It's such a complex thing. Uh, what we've been doing is we actually send a weekly email and we know they're never going to read it, but we want them to, the, the intention there is the client is getting called every day by other marketers. And yeah. they, we want them to be able to say, look, I don't know what JC does, but like, dude, I get emails from them every week on something. They're paying attention. They're on top of the ball. They're communicating. They're doing something, right? They're never going to read it, but it's just, it's value. And if they open it, it's a really big detailed email. We're actually testing switching away from that. So what we do from a communication standpoint is we actually like to, when a new client comes on, we schedule a weekly call, a mm -hmm. weekly call with them. Uh, why? Guys, it, it, this is biblical. Love covers a multitude of sins. The yeah, better yeah. rapport we have with a client, the better relationship, when things come up, they will. When they come up, it's so much easier to overcome them if you have a great relationship. It's that is done through communication that's done through listening that's done through understanding their problems and their weaknesses and like dude he told me that he's struggling right now and he's trying to send his daughter to school i just offered him a 20 percent discount this month just because like if you can listen to those things and do it it'll make your world better so we do a weekly communication to get to know the people know that dude you can call me anytime i'm your account manager right then we typically start going to a bi-weekly and then eventually you're going to a monthly right um they're always we try to it's always, we try to get them on Zoom. We try to make them face-to-face. -face, we try to make them personal. Uh, if a client doesn't want to do it, we tell them, look, like our account manager will be like, look, I have to, like, I could get fired if I don't. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you every week. You answer the phone. You just tell me like, dude, leave me alone. Everything's great. Or you tell me whatever, but at least it's going to view the option. And what you'll find is that even in that, like, whatever, you can hear their tone and you'll, you'll be able to start predicting churn. Now you can send a proactive email. You can send a proactive like, hey, you know, whatever, right? And so we communicate a lot. And um, our max is about 35 clients to an account, account manager. manager. And a new client in the first 60 days counts as three. So you can't have 30 clients and then five new ones because that would equal like 45 clients, right? So mm. you know, new clients equal three. That's kind of the calculator that we use. Um Look, I mean, especially if you're hiring overseas, a new account manager, I would rather have many account managers and have better service. Again, an account manager, if you're hiring in the States, if you get someone at like five grand, it's like two or three clients. That is worth having the extra level of service. Right? Yeah, I love that guy. So, so you know, initially, right, that, that the first week, the first 30 days will set the pace for whether they're with you a year from then. Creating a world-class onboarding process and upping the communication early until they're feeling good, they're feeling confident, you know them, they know you. Love covers a multitude of sins. I love that as, a, as an application for, for retention. Um, and then you can move maybe to like a more of a monthly communication rhythm once they're out of the gates, they're launched. Um, and you know the number one reason clients leave is perceived indifference. And so just being super high touch with your communication um, is awesome. And so JC, amazing, amazing share and insights there. And, and knowing, you know, you can't have one account manager to serve your entire 100 client base, right? You're going to need one account manager for every 25 to 30 accounts, and you need to hire in advance, 
right? Once you're at like 15 or 20 per account manager and you're on a certain growth trend, you need to start hiring, training, and getting that person ready because if you wait until the account manager has 35 accounts, they're going to they're gonna burn out. Clients are not going to have the same experience. You're going to have churn problems. Um, so it's just a couple of things to think about. I really appreciate you sharing that, that metric. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Account manager is something we're we believe is that like, it's, it's a big part of our churn, right? So, so like it's, it's, uh, if you do it right, you want very low churn. If you do it wrong, it's tough. It's yeah. What's, what's your internal target in terms of retention? Like, what are you guys shooting for on a monthly basis as a, as a, either a churn level or a retention level? Yeah. So we, we've tested different things here. Um, what we actually have is a growth model for everyone. So our entire company, we used to have it where our account managers were based on, on, on net growth. So the, you know, if you lost a client, but you upsold a client, then that could like, you know, break even. Right. Um, and I still love that way in a new agency. That's what I would do. Probably we got to the size where we wanted to make sure, and our culture is weird at height where everyone at height is, is on the same level. So what we actually did was we have two metrics in our like two core KPIs that are the most important KPIs in our company. One is profit and loss. So every year I like, I already have my budget for the year and what we should profit. Uh, and sometimes we'll modify that by quarter if we're behind, if we're ahead, we'll keep it the same. So we have to profit a certain amount a month. And if we do, everyone in the company gets a 10% bonus from the VPs literally to the maids that clean our offices, right? 10% of their salary is the bonus they get as long as you hit your profit target. As long as we hit our profit target. The other one is 10% based on programmed revenue. So this is like the growth of the recurring revenue has to grow in our growth right now. We're trying to grow at 6% a month, right? Okay. That's a lot. So like if you're doing, you know, if you're, if you're doing a half a million in recurring revenue, 6% growth is like, what is it? 25,000 in growth, yeah. right? So no, it's way more than that. 30,000, 30, I think in growth. So uh, it's a, it's a lot. It's hard. So our, our goal is 6% growth month over month. And again, this is trained out. So if they actually get ahead, like last month, we had a, cra a crazy good month. So like this month they actually could perform worse and still hit their goal. They get another 10%. And then our account managers, if they individually have, uh, I think it's 8% growth. So they go above and beyond and they get a kicker bonus. And that bonus goes to the entire team if they, if they have that much growth. And so I like the model of measuring it on churn for most agencies. And, and what I would do there is go, hey, we expect you that you're going to lose 8% of your portfolio every month. And if you lose less than eight, we're going to give you this big of a bonus. And that could be either a percentage of total revenue or a percentage of their salary or whatever. If they hit 10%, it's much less. If they go over 10%, maybe it's nothing, you know, something like that. That's probably my favorite easy way to break down a commission for like an account manager and product people. I love it, man. Hey, JC, so many amazing insights here. Guys, give me a one in the comments if you've got some in interesting insights, valuable insights, things you're going to take away. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations on your amazing growth and success. Um, I know if people are interested in learning about maybe becoming a franchisee, they can go to franchise.heightdigital.com. Um, you also help, you know, you've got masterminds and things for agencies. You've got an amazing book coming out called... Um, uh, agency hackers. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how we can learn more about that and kind of plug into those resources. Okay. Well, I'm happy to tell you about that. So jchight.com, buy the book, super easy, or excuse me, jchight.me, I think is actually what it is. I think it's jchight.me. Uh, buy the book. Essentially, this is, we've broken it down into basically 12 categories. So we have a chapter on hiring, a chapter on firing, a chapter on finance, a chapter on product, a chapter, like pretty much, we just went through the book right here. So you don't have to buy it. Um, yeah, right. But it's, it's literally like the step-by-step, -step, very tactical, very practical. Like I open up this, the book by basically saying like, and, and this is what I love about you, Josh, so much, but a lot of coaches out here, I think it's a struggle, right? Like you, you had an accounting professor in, co in, 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 in college, right? And he knew accounting. He spoke the truth about accounting. He knew the formulas. He didn't misguide you or mislead you. Like he knew accounting and he taught you accounting and you made an A in the class but you would never hire your accounting teacher to be your CFO. Like there's a difference between the classroom and the theory and like actually doing it, right? And like, Josh, you've done it, I've done it, right? And so I think that it just is, uh, well, it's different actually being in war and talking about your scars than, you know, someone who's about to go off to war thinking about it and even been trained on it, right? So, 
Um, and so that's what kind of where we're coming at, you know, from the book. Love it. Love it. So be sure to check out jchype.me to connect with JC. If you got value from today's session, look him up on Facebook, send him a thank you. You know, very generous of spirit to come on, share all of these with all of these insights and wisdom. Um, this has been awesome. I enjoyed it. I took some notes and things I'm going to take back to the team. Um, one last piece of wisdom that you would share with that agency that's looking to get to the next level. What, like one last nugget and we'll, we'll wrap up on that. One last nugget. So for me, one, one of the things that we do at Height, and we actually do this with every team member, like literally it's a, it's a, a five-hour session on a Saturday, every new team member, is, is a training we do around creating a commitment. And so Simon Sinek has kind of a, a, a right wing sister to this called your why, right? But we're like, like, what am I committed to? So JC, my commitment, my commitment is here in Nicaragua, right? Where we have a dictator in power and I believe I want to change the world. And the power behind that commitment is it's something noble and worth fighting for. So when we talk about that low strategy, nobody wants to do that crap. No one wants to do that crap. But if your commitment is big enough, if it's worthy enough, it doesn't matter. You're going to bite through it. Right. And so for me, finding that why and like declaring it and having it on your, like, I got mine on my wall here. Every team member knows my commitment, what I'm doing. Every friend knows it. Every, like, this is why I bleed. Dude, you talk about a hidden strength because most of the agency stuff, dude, it's, it's not about, you know, Josh and I might want you to think that it's like genius work. And we're teaching you these deepest, darkest secrets of like, no one, like, a lot of it, 90% of it is just putting in the work and getting after it, right? And you got to have drive to do that, right? And so um, what is your, what are you committed to? What are you really committed to? What is your drive? What is going to make you power through the hard times? Because there will be hard times. So good. Thanks, JC. Yeah, Thanks brother. for listening, guys. Post your comments, reach out and thank JC, check him out. And we'll talk to you guys later. See you guys.